Today's scripture um, comes from the book of John, chapter 15, chapter, verses 12 through 17. If you're using a Blue Shed Bible, that's uh, page 995. Give you a second to get there. John 15, 12 through 17. So my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends because everything that I learned from my father, I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. The word of the Lord. So I regret to inform you that we have come to the end of our wonderful Jesus and series. I'm sorry. I mean, and my bias is that I, I actually submit that we could probably spend the rest of our lives just studying the Gospels. Am I right? just studying and noting and interrogating and digging into how Jesus lived and loved and commanded and charged and empowered us by the Spirit to live into the same. But it's been quite a journey for us. We've been to a lot of places in the gospel. We've, last week we talked about with Troy, um, Jesus and the children. We've talked about Jesus and ordinary people, Jesus and and ineffective disciples, Jesus, and the spiritually discouraged, and don't forget the thing beneath the thing beneath the thing with Jesus, and Jesus and desperate people. We've covered a great deal of ground, and seems to make sense to me that as we make our way toward Ash Wednesday, into that season toward Lent, that we would wrap this up with a few moments of consideration for Jesus and friends. I know, it sounds like a morning show, doesn't it? (laughs) Sounds like there should be four chairs. God, Son, Holy Spirit, and you. (laughs) But today, in in our text today, we get a chance to, 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 to lean into an intimate moment between Jesus and his disciples now turned friends. Friends. How many of us have them? Friends. I didn't mean to do that. It just came out of me. I couldn't help myself. I try not to sing and dance when I'm on stages. Whenever that happens. But I wonder for you, what comes to mind when you think of a friend? Is there a face? Just immediately, just your first response. I wonder if it's a face or is it a group of people? 
Is it an experience? Is it a, a place you've been? Is it, is it a certain time in your life? Now, I have to admit that my first thought when I think of friends, forgive me, um, is, is this. Don't be laughing at me. This is my dog, Kabani. She runs our house. I brought her to the office this week. If she was a child, I would have been utterly embarrassed. She did not play well with others. Would not let me complete the assignment that I had before me. But doggone it, is she cute. Last year for Valentine's Day, Kabani received this gift. You might know this stuffed animal as one part of the dynamic duo of Dr. Seuss, Thing One and Thing Two. Now, Thing One has a little squeezy inside of its belly, so when, you know, you squeeze it, it makes that dog toy sound. And we don't call this little animal Thing One or this stuffed thing, whatever, Thing One. We call, I call it the friend. It actually has a song that I will spare you today only for the ears of my doggy woggy. But nevertheless, the friend finds itself mostly in Kabani's bed or in mine. But every once in a while when Kabani comes and wants to bite my sleeve or my ponytail hold on my bracelet, I'll say to her, Where's the friend? And when I say that, her ears will go up and her tail starts wagging and she starts looking about until she finds in her bed or in my bed or somewhere in between this thing we call the friend. And the poor friend here a year later's head is tilted to the side and wasn't, won't stand all the way up. Its little squeak is a squawk because Kabani has just pulverized the friend, ripping and pulling and forcing me to participate in the abuse of Dr. Seuss's creation. <laughs> friend has no feelings, no volition in this relationship. This friend's function and life is specifically to entertain Kabani and sometimes me. Sometimes I think that's how we operate in our own friendships. Sometimes I have to say for myself that in my own friendships, sometimes I tend to lean towards them serving me more than me taking into consideration what that friend might be feeling or thinking or needing. Sometimes those friendships become worn down and worn out because of my own selfishness and my own neediness. So as I confess today, and I wonder if in your heart there's also a confession that our idea of what friendship is can cloud how we actually view this text. As Jesus says to his disciples, you are no longer servants, but now I call you friend. As our relationship with Jesus become utilitarian, 
functional for our purposes when we hear the name Jesus as friend, perhaps our ears rise and our proverbial uh, tails wag, but only until we lose interest, until we think we can do it on our own and we can make our own way. What do we think when we think about Jesus as friend? Abide in me is the tender, gracious invitation Jesus extends to his once servants and now friends. Jesus calls them up and into a new way of living in relationship with him, and not only with him, but also with each other. Abide in me, Jesus promises, and you will bear much fruit. Fruit that can only be born out of a life abiding in him. Abide, remain, stay. What does this mean? How does this look? I love how Eugene Peterson translates this text for our benefit. He says, live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined in the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. Make your home in me. Home. That place where we can take off the mask. That place where we don't have to pretend. We can take off our shoes and let the toes flare and let it be what it is. That place when we can, we can take, let our hair down, take our wig off, remove our makeup, talk our talk, sing our song out loud, out of tune if we want. Make your home in me. Home is the place where we are vulnerable and comfortable. Where we get to take off the trappings of this world. Make your home with me. I hear a tender, gentle voice of Jesus. This is not the voice, the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount or the rebuke of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This is Tender and sweet, almost, in my mind, whispering, Jesus, make your home in me. Like John, the beloved disciple who who rests at the table with his head at the breast of Jesus, open, vulnerable, tender in the bosom of his beloved. Make your home in me. This is what Jesus invites the 12 into and invites us into as well today. For I no longer call you servants. A servant doesn't know what his master is doing and I have already told you what I'm doing. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am there you shall be also. I have already told you what I'm doing that no one takes my life from me but that I freely, that I freely give it. I've already told you what I'm doing. The son of man must be lifted up, but in three days will rise again. 
I no longer call you servants because servants don't know what their master is doing, but I call you friend. But abiding in Jesus brings to bear a way of being in friendship with Jesus and one another that is more than simply pals. That's more than simply buddies, people who hang out and who play cards together and who tell jokes together and who show pictures of each other. More than just recipients of goods and services and more than just those who receive the means of grace. Jesus is calling his disciples to make their home in him. A home that is marked by a certain kind of love. One that will lay down its life for a friend. Huh? I mean, like, can we just be honest for like a second real quick? I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this out loud. This is not probably real popular and real pious of me to say, but I'm still trying to figure out how to lay down my life for Jesus. Uh, this is just me. I know, Barb, so you know, I just got here about a year ago. So I'm learning from you all, good Jesus people, how to do that. And so for me personally, I can be transparent, lay my life, still trying to figure out how to lay my life, still trying to, trying to put, wrap my mind in these times around what I would do if it became necessary for me to lay my life down for my own children. And now here you are talking about Jesus, me laying my life down for a friend. How is this possible? It's only possible. It can only be made known by a life of abiding in him. Jesus is calling his disciples to love one another as I have loved you. This is the byproduct of abiding in Jesus. And this, this love that he is, is speaking of, it's not just the, oh, I love you. Or the perfunctory, I love everybody stuff we hear. But this is the kind of love that St. John Chrysostom spoke of when he spoke of the love between friends. Here it is. He says this. He says, one may speak about thousands of treasures and yet nothing is more valuable than a true friend. He says one rejoices when he or she sees one's friend. One's soul exalts and takes wings. I mean here real friends. Friends who share intimate, spiritual, and intellectual connections. Friends who are ready to die for one another. And I hear Sade singing this is no ordinary love. It's a love that lays down its very life for its friends. How can we do this? We ask, how can we lay down our lives from our friends? One can only learn the answer by abiding, by making our home in Christ. It's the only way that we can actually understand how Jonathan, the son of Saul, would lay down his family life, supersede the requests and the, and the ideals and plans of his own father, Saul the king, 
because of his love and friendship with David to warn him in order to save his life. It can only be understood by abiding in him. It can only, only by abiding in Jesus can we embody the way that David lays down his priestly robes and marches down to a dusty city called Lodabar wanting to know, is there any way that I could show kindness to anybody in the family of Jonathan, my friend whom I love, I have laid aside my kingly robes and I have laid down my life to take up young Mephibosheth, crippled in both feet and set him at the king's table. Showing love to orphans is a way of laying down one's life. Abiding in Christ is the only way we can understand how Nomi, who leaves her daughters, Ruth, and Orpah, but lays down her own life, saying to them, go ahead and return home. I don't know who's going to glean for me. I don't know who's going to take care of me. I don't know who's going to give voice for me. But go home. Friends, go home and make a life for yourself. Her love lets them go. And only by abiding in Christ will we embody how Ruth was able to say, do not cause me to go, but to lay down her future, her family, her life, her God, her everything to stay with Nomi. Declaring your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you lodge, I will lodge. We can only do this, live into this by making our home in Christ. This love the disciples are invited into, that we are invited into with Jesus is a friendship beyond palling around. It's an invitation to be lovers with Jesus. Lovers of Jesus in true friendship. And you will bear fruit. Because that is the point, isn't it? To bear fruit after the kind of seed that had been planted and watered in the life-abiding love of Jesus. This friendship is also a call to move from disciple to disciple maker. Peter, Jesus asked, do you love me better than these? After having been denied by his friend, not once, not twice, but three times, love wouldn't allow Jesus to let the relationship stay at bay. Love demands this encounter be instructive and inspiring in ways that will catapult Peter from failure to freedom, from follower to those who would later be the one inviting people to come follow Jesus. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Abiding in Christ has moved Peter from a needy friend to a needful disciple maker. And this is the fruit of friendship. You see, the rabbinic and the Talmudic traditions were instructive 
to the disciples and to the students of the word at that time and in this time about friendship. They, they taught that true friendships are full of passionate energy and mutual concerns for each other's spiritual welfare. Now let's think back to those friendships from above. How many of those friendships are characterized by not just our mutual compassion, but our downright concern for the spiritual maturity of our friend? It would be absurd and an indication of a friendship which was void if if a meeting or a gathering were to take place that did not include not just the opening and a reading of scripture, but a conversation and an exchange, a study of Torah, a struggling over the meaning of the text, a sharpening of iron, these were the true marks of friendship. Listen to what the rabbi would say. When you love a person, right? You praise him and call out to others to draw close to him. So too, if you truly love God through your understanding and realization of his true existence, you will certainly spread this true knowledge that you know. Right? So abiding in Jesus bears fruit in us that causes not only our faith to increase, but also gives us to encourage the faith of our friends to increase too. Those who abide in Christ cannot let our friends' faith die on the vine without seeding. And abiding in Jesus, it gives us to, to hunger for the means of, of grace offered at the Lord's table. But, but, but not simply for ourselves, but for our friends as sacramental companions. You see, Jesus in his last days, he, he set the table for his friends. A friend that would betray him a friend that would deny and a friend that would doubt. For these friends, he would give his very life, give his body and his blood. He, 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 would, he would do this. And I wonder what, what would motivate one to do this? Hmm. Nothing short of greater love. Greater love that sees friends as sacramental companions. Indulging the promises of God with the human need to testify to our basic need to eat, to drink. Not just alone but together with friends. So I'll leave you with this last story. In the church where I used to serve, 
There's a lady, dear sister, dear friend of Jesus and of mine. Her name is Karen Cox. I only say her name now because she is coming to the end of her journey here on this side of eternity, and I want to honor the saying of her name as a gift. Karen walked with a walking stick, body busted from car accidents and myriad of strokes. And on the first Sunday of the month when we would prepare the table for communion, Karen would rise from her seat and she would look around her and she would find someone who looked differently from herself. And she would take her white arm and cuff it in to the elbow of the brown-armed friend with whom she'd been worshiping and singing and praying for many years at this church. And together, she would lay down her walking stick and they would walk together. It wouldn't always be the same person. It would be different people, but the difference was the important part. They would walk up that middle aisle to the table and partake of the Lord's communion together. I don't know if anybody even recognized, haven't talked to anybody about what Karen would do or didn't do. Just, I just recognized from the perspective of the table, Karen laying down a life of difference. Karen laying down her walking stick and her, 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 her thing that seemed to give her stability and comfort. A choice to not go alone, but to travel with a sacramental partner. A choice hewn out of a grace from abiding in Christ, one that would be best celebrated with a sacramental companion, a friend, a love that would bear witness to nothing greater than the love that laid down its difference, laid down its life, laid down its individualism to welcome a sacramental companion who too is abiding in Jesus. In a few moments, we too are going to come to this table. But I would like to offer this invitation as we prepare. Sometimes when we come to the table, we come, we come on our own. Partake of the bread and the cup in our seat or along the way. Sometimes I see couples come to the table. Sometimes, once in a while, I'll see maybe what looks like two friends coming to the table together. I wonder if today we might find a sacramental companion who we together could either arm in arm or shoulder in shoulder or step in step come to the table together to partake of the cup, perhaps with the, both of you dipping the bread in the same cup. As a reflection of a friendship 
that is marked by our abiding in Christ. And then, and then might we light a candle as a way of marking this day and this space and this text and this entire series as Jesus' people for the sake of the world. And if a prayer should happen to crop up in your heart, if a need or a petition, I wonder if together you could make your way to the prayer wall. And if you can find no such companion, perhaps that's what you scratch on your piece of paper and we as a staff pray about throughout the week. Beloved of Christ, may we make our home in Christ together. And so may the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. How right and good a thing it is and joyful indeed at all times and in all places to give thanks to you, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore, we praise you. Joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, heaven and earth are filled with your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And so send your spirit upon us now, we do pray that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless would be to us the communion of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And as these grains have been gathered from many fields into one loaf and these grapes from many vines into one cup, so soon, soon and very soon, may your whole church be gathered together in you even to the ends of the earth, even so come Lord Jesus. And so I give to you that which I also receive. How Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he sat with his friends. And they ate. And after eating, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body. Broken in the same manner after they had supped he, he took the cup and after giving thanks he gave it to them saying this this is the new covenant in my blood and as often as you abide in me as often as you drink it you proclaim my death my friendship my love until I come again these are the gifts of God for the people of God thanks be to God and we respond simply with these three ancient sentences that carry weight throughout eternity. Say it with me. Christ, Christ, Christ will come again. Beloved of God, come for all things are now ready. Receive who you are, the body of Christ. <laughs>